Welcome to Life After Blindness, a blog and podcast that is dedicated to the exploration of an enabled life of blindness. And now, here's your host, Tim Schwartz. Thanks, Alyssa, and thanks again to all of you for listening to the Life After Blindness podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please send those emails to tim at lifeafterblindness.com. On this week's show, I will be speaking with Roy Samuelson. Roy is an audio description narrator whose voice you may be very familiar with. Also, this week, I will be showing you how to activate audio description in many of the popular streaming apps and services. And a bit later in the show, I will share with you my thoughts about the current state of audio description. It's an audio description extravaganza this week on Life After Blindness. But before we get to the audio description extravaganza, I just wanted to take a moment to thank those of you who reached out to me this last week on social media or by email to wish me well. As some of you might have heard, I was horribly, horribly sick for probably the last 10 days or so. And at least half of that time, my wife was also horribly sick. And so because of that, I knew that I wasn't going to get the episode out last week when I wanted to. And so I went out on social media and let everyone know what was going on. And I had hoped that the episode would come out within a day or so. And that just unfortunately didn't happen because, well, I wasn't getting any better. But I'm feeling much better now. My wife is almost better. We're getting there. And so here we are. So again, I just wanted to say thank you to everyone for getting in touch and sending me your well wishes. It was very much appreciated. I also want to share with you a quick programming note. I will once again be joined by Maria Johnson from girlgoneblind.com for a Blind Point of View Roundtable episode that will be coming out here very soon. And this time, we will be talking about people who have been blind since birth. So for those of you who heard the first episode, we talked about coping with vision loss later on in life. No matter when that was, if you were not blind since birth and you lost your vision later on, how did you cope with that? How do you how do you deal with that? And this time, again, we'll be talking about being blind since birth. And to help us in that conversation, we're going to be joined by Holly Anderson and Darcy Bernard. They are both part of the Mac Accessibility Roundtable podcast and they have both been blind since birth. So they're going to talk with Maria and I about that, and we're going to find out if there are things that are the same, if there are things that are different, ask some of those age-old questions about people who've been blind since birth as we take a deeper dive into conversations about blindness. As I mentioned at the top of the show, this episode is largely going to be about audio description. How do we access it? What is it? How it's done? All those kinds of things, all those questions will be answered as we go forward in this episode. And I thought, what better way to get started in a conversation about audio description than to talk to one of the actual audio description narrators that I'm sure a majority of us are quite familiar with. He has been the narrator behind the audio description for such films as Spider-Man Far From Home and Homecoming, as well as Fast and the Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw. You've also heard him in commercials doing voiceovers for companies such as Target and McDonald's, and you've even heard him in so many different TV shows such as NCIS, Lethal Weapon, and so many others. And recently, very recently, you've heard his voice in Star Trek Picard on CBS All Access. So without further ado, here is my guest this week, Roy Samuelson. Roy, thank you so much for joining me on Life After Blindness. Hey, happy to be here, Tim. So good to be here. I'm really honored. Well, I appreciate it. I'm glad to be able to take a little bit of your time and talk with you because you you are so just in demand with all these things. I mean, shoot, what I just said is just a handful of the things that you describe. And I'm sure that people, as soon as they hear your voice, are going to go, oh, yeah, I know that guy. I've heard him a, a few times. Um, so I know that you're very busy. So again, I, I'm very appreciative that you are able to take the time and talk with me because audio description the last many years has really become so popular and so known, quite honestly. It's really picked up with so many different streaming services that offer audio description. Of course, the FCC here in the United States has so many new rules and regulations that they've been implementing over the years to make sure that television programs are described. Uh, Of course, any digital movie theater in the United States is required to have audio description and the headphones for it. And so 
really, truly, this is becoming a, a large industry all into itself, as I'm sure you well know, being one of the people who is describing quite a bit of what we're listening to. So let's take a step back then for people who maybe aren't familiar, who haven't heard anything described. If you could please tell people a little bit about what audio description is. Sure. Audio description is uh, access for blind and low vision audiences to enjoy the visuals of movies and episodic series. So the, the idea is that there's a, a, a narrator like myself or, or hundreds of other really super talented narrators who uh, go with the, what I call the emotional tone of the scene to share what's happening on screen, especially uh, relevant to the plot or uh, usually in between lines of dialogue, almost like uh, listening to a, a sports uh, radio announcer giving the play-by-play of what's happening. That's a really good analogy, looking at it from the standpoint of a commentator or a color commentator who's describing the action, because really, to a, an extent, that's a lot of what you do. There are so many TV shows or, or movies, especially when they have the cinematic big you know, scenes that happen or fight scenes, especially. And if you watch it without audio description and, and you are blind or visually impaired, there might be a lot of action going on that you don't quite understand without description or interaction between characters, even just a glance or a look. I, I've thought of this several times in, in the many different uh, things I've heard audio described, and even recently hearing you describe things in Picard. I've listened to some of those uh, first few episodes without description, and then of course listened to them with description, and there were just things where you know a raise of an eyebrow or a look a certain way or something like that that is lost without description or even some scenes where it uh, might say in the screen, you know, so many years ago or in the future. And without someone telling me that that little caption was at the bottom, I don't know that that's what happened. And I lose a lot of context without that audio description. Wow. Yeah. And this, uh, everything that you're sharing has to do with the the quality of the, the writing of the audio description. I'm a, I'm a narrator. I've dabbled in writing, but, these professionals that put together those those brushstrokes that you that you mentioned that are relevant to the plot are it, it's fascinating to me because you know if you broke it down the old expression a picture is worth a thousand words there's 24 frames <laughs> per second you know a typical there's hundreds of thousands of images and words that, sure. that could be chosen from so to judiciously decide with an incredibly limited amount of time what is the most thing what is the most relevant thing that's happening and is this going to be described in a way that's just like the sighted audiences get, just what you see, or is it going to be uh, interpreted or give a spoiler ahead of time? That, that is, that's, that's what I believe distinguishes the incredibly talented writers who are able to give that sense to our audiences in a way that doesn't give any spoilers, and it, it, it allows the, the audience, just like a sighted audience, to experience the the discovery as they go through the story in the film. It's really fascinating. It is fascinating. So let's talk about that just a little bit. Then I know that you, like you said, aren't a writer necessarily. You've done some, but not uh, to the large extent of as to what a lot of these writers are doing. You are someone describing in the content and reading what they've written, but I'm sure you can, you know, maybe give us a little insight as to this process and how it works. So talk to me about this. The, the, the company, the movie company has, has made a film or a TV show and they hire a company to do audio description and where does it go from there as far as, you know, getting the writing and, and the recording of the description and all of that? Yeah. And that's uh, traditionally, historically, how it has happened is that audio description is one of the last elements in, uh, in production because, you know, the picture has to be locked. The, uh, if there's any special audio uh, post-production sound elements that have been added, that would affect the, uh, the track for audio description. It's, um, it does need to be, uh, I, I call it part of production, but it's, it's one of the last steps. But uh, the companies that um, I work for, uh, uh, let's call them vendors, just to distinguish from the you know the production companies. Sure. The, the vendors get that final uh, media, and uh, they get uh, an, a shooting script, and they've got access to find out any other details that might be relevant. And most of them are are experienced enough that, especially on the episodic series, that they already have a sense of what's happening. I know that. Specifically for Picard, there's a, a Trekkie fan that's been uh, directly involved in the writing, which which obviously helps. Oh yeah, so, definitely. Yeah, so it's like that kind of care and concern, especially for these professional vendors that that do the quality work. They're 
what they do is uh, uh, watch the the content and um, follow along with the plot and and uh, create in those in those moments between the dialogue the the, the most concise and the most uh, how do I say this the most immersive for the audience. In other words, they don't want to stand out. They're not going to be E.E. E. Cummings writing this flowing poetry, you know, it's <laughs> right. like, but it's also important to flow with the, the sense of the, the scene that, you know, if it's an action packed scene, it's got to be tight and the writing has to be really concise. There's so many, so many things happening that you don't want to go too far. So it's, it's this real nuance that these writers have to capture in a way that I, I just am fascinated by the whole experience. It's, it's their talents are astronomical. Well, definitely their talents are astronomical because sometimes the descriptions that we get are, I don't want to say surprising, but just very nice. I, I, is all I can really say is because you'll you'll have that nuance. You'll have that brief little sentence that, that you then read so masterfully to tell someone like myself, here's what just happened or here's what is happening and to have an understanding of what is happening, especially, like I said, in those big cinematic scenes or if they're fight scenes, you know, knowing who's interacting with who and who's in the scene and what's going on, uh, you know, who was it that just spoke that's a new character that we don't know who it is. Those kinds of things really have to be thought out and, and planned out, like you said, by the writer and then executed by someone like yourself. And so tell me about that process. So they, they write the script and then you get the script. Now, do you get to actually see what they saw in the episode or are you just recording yourself reading their script? How, how does that work? Sure. Um, there's different approaches that different vendors have. I'll, I'll give you just one example that I've personally experienced, and this is not by any means how all vendors work. Just to give you one, at least one, one personal example that uh, I'm given a script that has the audio description lines that those writers wrote with uh, specific time code cues or audio cues or visual cues or uh, what else? Uh, there could be lines of dialogue. Uh, and each of those are my, you know, that's my ready, set, go when to, when to jump in. It also gives me a, a, a how many seconds and how many frames per second that I have to say that line. So, you know, sometimes the, uh, the writer will give me a, a code brisk or fast. And that tells me, obviously, I need to, to make the pace a little faster so I can squeeze in whatever they're trying to get in so that I don't talk over dialogue. That, that can be a distraction. Sometimes it has to happen just because of the needs of uh, the story. But for the most part, the writers are really good about avoiding that at all costs. So. When I get the script, it could be a minute later that the engineer starts rolling. And uh, I do, in some companies, I do have an audio engineer that's managing all the, the audio edits and the mix and uh, making sure that everything's coming in the way it's supposed to. And uh, luckily enough, I do have an audio description director who has reviewed the script and is able to make sure not only that I'm reading exactly what's on the script, but also to give that, eh, Roy, that sounded a little off, or you know, we need to we need to make sure that this is the the message that we're talking about. Right. Um, so uh, I, I'd love to dive into a little bit of that. If you imagine the sentence, "She stole the red apple." In that example, what happened right before is going to be the context. So if you just look at the sentence by itself, "She stole the red apple," you know, who knows how you say it? You just say it. But if you find out that the the thing that happened right before was Somebody asked, did she steal the green apple? Well, then the, the narrator would be, she stole the red apple, just to emphasize that it's the red one. Or did she steal the, the green pear? No, she stole the red apple. Or did she hide the green apple? No, she stole the, the red apple. That depending on what's happening in context, that little accent nuance makes a difference. And, you know, also if, you know, somebody's, uh, if there's a character that's saying their last words just before they die, I'm not going to say that with a smile. She dies in her arms because that's going to take you out. You know, it's like, right. so these kinds of what I'm calling emotional nuances are very deliberate and hopefully invisible to the audience as they're listening to the narration track that when they've got audio description on my goal as a narrator is to keep the spotlight on the story. If at the end of the uh, audio description track experience of a, of an audience and they say, Oh wow, Roy did such a good job. I didn't serve my audience. The focus needs to be on the writing and, and on the, the story. 
I want the audience to be so immersed that they said, oh my gosh, can you believe that she did that? That was incredible. I loved when that they're talking about what happened in the story. That's how I know that I've served the content. Now you can talk about me before or after you see the movie. That's fine. But during <laughs> it, keep that. It's so important for me. And that's the litmus test for the narration, the audience immersing themselves. And that immersion, I believe, is where narrators can can bring that nuance. And it can't be too much and it can't be too little. You know, if if we bring in a Siri voice or uh, Alexa, then, you know, you're, you're going to get that. And those are becoming so realistic, which is great. But, you know, that's, that's what you get with a screen reader. You want to immerse yourselves when you're enjoying a entertainment media. So where, I'm, where I like to draw the line is, okay, so let's call a Siri voice or an electronic voice a one. And uh, your friend, when you're watching the, the football game, armchair quarterbacking is a 10 where they're screaming at the TV saying all these, oh, I can't believe you did that. She jumped from the, she jumped from the window and fell. It, you know, both of those extremes are going to take our audiences out of the experience of what sure. the filmmakers intended. So I kind of like to hover between four and six when it comes to that, that riding the wave of what's happening. And that seems to be the way that, you know, uh, one more analogy as I go on my rant here is the uh, the foley, which are the footsteps that you hear. If you hear someone walking in a in a hallway with in a you know with a wood floor, you're going to expect a certain sound. If you know that that character is wearing high heels, you're going to expect a very specific sound. But during that scene, if you know this person's walking down a a wooden uh, floor with high heels and you hear this thump, 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 thump that's either too loud or isn't even there at all, it's going to take you out. And I think there's a nice parallel there with the writing and the audio uh, narrator to say that we need to ride that, that emotional tone in a way that's, that's almost invisible to the audience, that we can, we can allow ourselves to be a part of the story. And that's incredibly important to me. But where I'm excited is that, you know, we've gone from what, 30, 40 years ago, having three network channels, maybe four to hundreds of cable channels to then thousands of stations. And now we've got uh, multiple streaming platforms. And where I get really excited is, is seeing how Apple TV plus launches not only all their originals with audio description, but nine different languages of audio description. That's not just dubbing. That's for, that's for multiple languages for, that's exciting. And then uh, Disney Plus launches with, I think, almost all of their original content with audio description. They went back into their vault and library. And, and I, I know there were a few, a few things that may not have been there. It wasn't like everything, but it was such a huge percentage on day of release. And how cool that uh, when CBS All Access, when our audience said, hey, can we have audio description for, uh, for whatever, that CBS All Access responded, and within days, not weeks, not months, days, that as our audiences are discovering that speaking up does get results, that I, I think we are following in the, and I say we, I'm, I'm a sighted narrator, but I'm, you know, I'm invested in, in making sure that we do have this, this inclusion that, that makes sense, that these companies are recognizing the value beyond does it have it or not that they're recognizing the value of of quality of excellence and timing of release timing that all of these elements are part of accessibility as you know as far as being able to have a conversation at the water cooler oh did you see that episode oh my god can you believe what happened and know exactly what happened because you saw it with audio description and that's extremely important because it's that feeling of inclusion. It's being able to talk with your peers about something and being able to understand what they saw based on what you had described and can have that same conversation. You can actually know, okay, this happened in this show or this movie and I know it. And so I can actually interact and talk with people or go online and yell about it or laugh about it or, <laughs> or whatever, you know, sure, um, sure. And, and have that same, you know, that same inclusion, that same interaction with your peers, with anybody else. It, it's so just, it's so nice to be able to have that interaction and for the companies to be able to say, 
you know, uh, this might be a little boastful on their side, but they would deserve it to say, hey, look what we did. We have an accessible product that offers audio description in addition to closed captioning. We are trying to be as inclusive for everyone as we can be. And, and so you're talking about Apple TV Plus having everything from launch. Disney Plus having a, a vast majority of things from launch. They seem to still add a couple things every week. I, I see that they've added yet another uh, audio description track to something else. And it's as you said, it's not just their current movies or shows. Uh, or things that have come out recently, uh, the five-year-old in me was ecstatic when like the three little pigs had audio description oh, yeah. or the three caballeros or, you know, old <laughs> shorts and, you know, 15 minute cartoon shorts or old movies. You know, these are things going back to the thirties and forties and they're adding audio description. And that excites me about the future of audio description and what, you know, what might be available to us as it keeps growing and getting more popular. Yeah. And how cool that these companies are recognizing the audiences of uh, 26 plus million blind and low vision Americans uh, is one of the stats I read that those are, yep. those are opportunities of, uh, you know, in, in a, if it's, if you're going to look at numbers, that's okay. Well, how can we reach these audiences that maybe we haven't been able to reach before? And, you know, with the upcoming HBO max with Peacock, those are some new streaming services coming. It's going to be fascinating to see how, they launch. And I, I have really positive hopes. I don't say that as, oh, they're better. I'm saying it. I'm excited that, you know, I don't know. We'll find out. But it's got to be, it's a really exciting time. Well, as an air raider, yes, you, you could definitely say, you know, uh, hopefully this is the case and uh, it's an exciting time. And I agree with that. But as a, a blind person who loves the medium and, and loves to get the audio description, I will say they had better uh, you know, <laughs> because I'm looking forward to, to Peacock and HBO Max and, and all these different streaming services. I know they start to nickel and dime us, but at the same time, in a way, it could be cheaper than a full-on cable or satellite service, you know, cost per month. So it just depends on who you are and, and how you look at that. And that's a whole other conversation. But either way, if they're going to do it and they're going to offer streaming services like this, it's it, I don't want to say that it's easy to offer audio description at the same time, it really isn't all that difficult, quite honestly. It's just taking the time to acknowledge it, spend the, the money to hire a, a company or a vendor to do it and just get it done. And once you have it, then just keep it and, and, you know, and keep doing it and using it and uh, letting it build and thrive. And then your inclusion, you know, reaches so many different people. Like you said, you know, 26 million people, those are paying customers. Those are mm. people that are willing to give you five bucks a month or 10 bucks a month or whatever it is for your content. So why not make it accessible and, and make it, uh, you know, to where these people are included. Yeah. And, you know, I'm thinking even back a specific example a few months ago with Netflix when the Dark Crystal series came out. It was because oh, yeah. our audiences were speaking up and asked for Dark Crystal original film. And shortly later, it was up. Speaking up got results. It goes back to the first time that Netflix really kind of put their foot in it uh, with the Daredevil series when they oh, put out yeah. a Daredevil TV show or you know, streaming on their service, original programming a show about a blind superhero that didn't have audio description. It's like, wait a minute, this isn't right. This just doesn't make any sense. And as a community, we spoke up, we advocated for ourselves. And I don't remember or know necessarily the full story. Some say that they had it in the pipeline and they were working on it. Some say maybe they, they rushed into it over the weekend, although that was a lot of audio to write up and record in one weekend. But basically within a matter of a several days, Every single one of those episodes for season one had description after the the community came together and advocated for themselves and said, no, wait a minute, a blind superhero series should have audio description. This just feels weird. They did it and they made a commitment to all of us to say, you know what? This is a failure in our part. All of our originals going forward will have description. Anything that we acquired the rights to, we'll do our best to get description. We can't promise, but we'll try. And they have fulfilled on that promise. And so mm. to your example about The Dark Crystal, when the prequel series came out with audio description, because of course it was a Netflix original, the the obvious question, the, the obvious next question was, wait, you also have The Dark Crystal movie. It doesn't have description. We know it's not your original, but um, uh, wouldn't it kind of make sense to have it described with this as a partnered program? And and as you say, you know, as we advocated for ourselves, Netflix listened and they said, yep, you guys are right. That's a great point. Let's do it because they may not always look at it that way or think of it that way. Eventually, hopefully over the years, we can change the business culture where they do think of it. But in the meantime, we do have to advocate for ourselves. 
So we've talked a lot, Roy, then about the process and how this gets done and you know, the business side. And then, of course, you know, the personal side, the advocacy side. I, I want to talk a little bit about how you got involved in this to give you a moment to, to talk about that, because, you know, describing content for the blind. I mean, that's not something that somebody just says, you know what, I'm going to go to school and I'm going to get my degree and then I'm going to describe content for blind people. You know what I mean? You just don't wake up someday and necessarily do that. Almost, maybe you do. I don't know. Maybe that does happen. Um, but I know that you know, you've done voiceovers and you know, commercial work and a lot of other uh, narration and things. How did you get involved with this? I got to say all that experience with uh, voiceover has contributed to what I do in audio description. So uh, there was a theme park attraction at Walt Disney World called the Great Movie Ride that I worked oh, yeah. at, and uh, you know, the basic gist of it was uh, a narrator would introduce all the different things, all the different scenes that you go through in different movies, and describe what was happening. It was literally live audio description. Yep. And uh, yeah, it's the same show twenty minutes every time. I played a gangster, and I think I got blown up every seven minutes. So you know, <laughs> after the after the excitement wore off, it's like there was a sense of repetition and I was like, okay, well, what's the, what's the, how can I keep myself motivated here? And so I started playing around with different ways of, of uh, doing those lines and watching the audience's reactions and seeing what would happen and listening to what, how they would react and what was happening. So sometimes I'd do it poorly. Sometimes I'd do it with no, nothing. Sometimes I'd do it a little too much. And each time I'd learn something and I'd, I'd tailor it, uh, not only based on the audience, but what was happening. So that was kind of like live audio description practice. When I moved to Los Angeles, there was a, a script writing group that I was a part of, and they were all um, produced writers of, of films and, uh, and later television shows. And they would bring in 25 pages of their script. And I, as an actor, would join the other actors in reading those in front of the writers. And the first time I did it, I was really nervous. Like, oh, how'd I do? How'd I do? And afterward, the, the writer audiences would raise their hands and, and share notes about the script. And that's kind of when it dawned on me, this is all about story. This has always been about story. This isn't about the, you know, what, I'm, what my performance is. I mean, I need to be focused on bringing my best, but bigger than that is supporting the story. And that's what that writer's group taught me in addition, you know, practicing cold reading for 10 years, every Monday night, you know, it's like, uh, <laughs> right. that, that was great practice. So when the opportunity came to audition for audio description, there was, there was such excitement and anticipation after the audition was done that I almost got no sleep afterward because it felt not my, my excitement wasn't based on, am I going to book it or not? But this is awesome. It was <laughs> technically, it was like satisfying so many of my own personal experiences and learning about audio description, uh, sorry, learning about voiceover that it applied to audio description. And I could, I could see how as a, a narrator, I can't read the audio description in a condescending way, like musically, like I'm talking down to someone. I have to be offering my intention as a narrator is to offer this information and that helps me ride the, uh, the relationship that I have with the audience. I have to ride the tone of what's happening in the scene and I have to be ready for the surprises and, uh, and all these other things that that kind of nuance, instead of going, going big or going home, I have to, like we talked about earlier and that just excited me beyond compare. And, you know, after doing it for a little bit, I, uh, I had a mentor who encouraged me to, to start talking about this a little more publicly. And I had a lot of resistance, Tim. It was, first of all, it was uncharted and, and scary. And sure. it's, um, I think what happened was as I connected with our blind and low vision audiences, especially on social media, I started learning how I could even be better at a narrator as narration. In, in other words, someone would say, oh, I, uh, I love it when a, a narrator does this or whatever, or whatever it was. So I was paying attention and I was applying it. My reads got better. So one of my favorite hashtags on, on Twitter is nothing about us without us. It is, yeah, I, I think love it, that. it's incredibly applicable. This is, this is not a, about me. I, I'm talking about me because you asked me about me, but yeah, no, absolutely. About, this is about bringing the best work to our audiences. And 
as a professional, I'm responsible for bringing the best work and it has to be for our audiences. It's all about what our audiences want. And if I find that I'm doing something that isn't working for someone, I'll change it. And I can, I, I'm constantly learning. Every time that I do a narration, I'm, I'm checking in and, and finding out, okay, so how did this, how did this play? It's getting, you know, feedback from, you know, what worked. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of funny, Tim, that on, uh, I, w- I won't say what show or, or what episode or, or how recently it could have been five years ago. It could have been recently. Um, okay. there was a, there was a friend of mine who I know watches the show and, you know, they were having a, they were having kind of a, not the best day. And, uh, there was one line that I pushed too hard with a smile and I smiled like I was smiley McSmiley smiling man. And it, it was too much and I got away oh, no. with it. I got away with it. And it was just like one line. It was, it was, yeah, I could get away with it. And she I, was shot down dead. No, <laughs> <laughs> but it was like, like, it was in the context of what was happening. The, the characters on, on screen were laughing and you could hear it in their reads. So I, I turned it up to nine. It should have been seven. And oh, wow. I let them know. I'm like, Hey, when you watch the show, uh, when you hear them talking about this, I, I'm giving you an extra sm- I'm sending you a smile from the mic. And that was my like little, you know, it's like, Aww. just like a little nudge, right? It felt really that. good. Yeah. And it, it, it didn't get in the way of the story. Like I, it, you know, if you're, if you're going to dissect it with like, with a knife, then you would, you would definitely notice, but I, I think I got away with it, but it's like where I'm looking to connect with our audiences is, you know, I'm, I'm literally speaking to someone when I'm narrating. It's, it's a, it's an actual connection. And I want to make sure that that connection doesn't get in the way. And like I said earlier, immersing the audience, that's, that's got to be the goal. There's got to be a fine line, I'm sure. And we've talked about this a little bit where you don't want to get in the way of what you're describing. At the same time, you're a companion to what we're watching. You, uh, I'm sure, I hope know this, but to us as blind listeners and viewers of, of this content, you are as much of the story, uh, as much of an actor, maybe in a way, involved in the story as the actual actors on screen, because you are there as the voice in our ear, helping us to understand what's going on. And I'm sure for you as, you know, for you as a performer, that that is a fine line where it's like, I don't want to get in the way of what's going on. At the same time, I have to make sure that I'm doing the best I can for those people that are listening. And so kind of be in between somehow, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's going to be a, a ton of projects. There were like 4,000 projects one month last year. If you follow the audio description project, acb.org slash ADP, if you just Google audio description project, you'll find it. They, they give all sorts of stats and details about audio description. One of them, uh, I think it was towards the end of the year, one month had 4,000 original titles. I'm not going to voice all those and I'm not going to be a good fit for all of them. We need inclusion and normalizing uh narrators as well that you know let's bring in more women let's bring in more people of color who are narrating let's let's make sure that the the tone matches and where a lot of my advocacy is coming in is is starting to in los angeles train some voice talents who are interested in audio description and help guide the at least you know at least my take on, on what that nuance means and how to learn from the audience and, and grow their own skills within this. And, you know, we need more quality narrators. There's incredibly high amount of great narrators. I don't want to replace them, but there's opportunities for, for more diversity, even within the, the world of narration. And it's exciting to see that that nuance is now being discussed, that it's not just does it have it or not, but you know, let's, let's bring in the, the talent. Um, if I could use one example related to that, the, uh, sure. I, uh, as we talked earlier about the writing is the core of this work. It's, it's so specific and so well thought out and, and deliberate. And if you can imagine going to hear a Shakespeare play and, um, you could be move to tears because the the performers are just connecting with each other and the audience in a way that that really means something and it it goes to the heart of something or you could hear the same words of shakespeare in a theatrical production and you could be crying tears because you can't wait until the intermission so you can get out 
the, the performance, <laughs> right. you know, the, you know, there, there is something that is brought to the words that is, I, I believe requires training and require, and like I said, I'm still growing. I, I don't want to, to say I'm, I'm at the level. Uh, I consider myself a professional, but I, I'm always growing and I'm always learning. And that's where I believe there's, there's a lot of room for, uh, for quality and how great that that, that kind of conversation is now happening. We still need to have audio description everywhere. I don't want to say, you know, does it have it or not is behind us. There's still a lot to do there and it's, it's growing, but these conversations are now starting to pop up in our communities. It's really exciting. It is really exciting. And I love what you say there about having diversity amongst people who are doing the audio description, the narrators themselves. You know, you're not going to have a, 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 no offense to older gruff gentlemen, but maybe an older gruff kind of sounding gentleman doing the narration for a kid's show. You know, it just doesn't sound like it would fit. You know, again, no offense to an older gruff gentleman's voice, but, um, but you know, at the same time, I, I do hear that. As you mentioned that, I, I'm thinking about several shows where I've watched with my seven-year-old daughter, the where we keep the description on for me, and mm-hmm. those voices are perfect. They fit the show or an action movie and the voice fits the show. Or I was actually reading a post on Facebook the other day where somebody was excited because they had started watching uh, the chilling adventures of Sabrina on Netflix. And the, the lady who does the description for that is fantastic. And they're right. They're like, what is her name? Because I want to know who she is and what else she's done. Cause yeah. her voice is such a great fit and they're, and they're perfectly right. Because as you listen I'm sure that part of that process, you know, somebody finding the right narrator for the right project. I mean, that's part of the process. I'm, I'm sure that's that because there's got to be some thought put into that because you're going to, you know, as you were talking about, you know, run out crying halfway through if if the narration is getting in the way and the voice is getting in the way and, and, and it's just not part of the experience in a positive way, that could be a put off. And so to match not just the tone and the sound, but the voice and all that, you know, the, the personality even to an extent with what you're watching is very important. And these vendors care about that. They do do casting if, if you know, if they're making that choice that they, they do select the, the best, the, the professional uh, vendors who, are, who really care a lot. And there's, there's many companies that do that, that, that make that decision. They say, you know, this, this voice isn't going to work. We need we need this or that. And they, there is a lot of consideration with that. And uh, that's exciting. This is great. It is. No, it's really exciting because they're treating it just like any other creative medium in media. And that's great news to hear. And, uh, you know, along those lines of, of growing and learning and getting better, like you mentioned before, I know that you're constantly learning and growing, as you said. And also, as you have mentioned, you want people to get involved, especially people in the blind and visually impaired community to get involved. I know that you have recently been talking about, uh, for lack of a better word, I guess, a workshop that you're doing in March as far as growing and learning and getting better. And and you want some involvement with that. Can you tell me about that? Sure. This is um, back to the nothing about us without us. Uh, As a sighted narrator teaching audio description, I want to make sure our community is included, uh, the audiences that know this work and know the nuance and care about it. So this, uh, this particular series for the workshop, I'm including our audiences when we uh, record the, uh, the narrators as they, as they practice and as they learn. We're ha- I've asked a, a, a few um, audience members to be on that call to be able to give instant feedback uh, so that they can, the narrators can learn from the best. Additionally, and this came from, this is where it's so exciting, Tim. There was a, uh, a podcast or no, it was a, it was a call in. And one of the audience members had a show that she did, that she didn't have access to the audio description with. And some of her sighted friends and her, and I think someone else got together and watched it together where the the sighted audience member gave audio description over the phone to the uh the person who wanted the audio description and that's applicable to this workshop so i'm going to ask to borrow that idea and have a audio description audience member mentor our narrators and find maybe a, a show maybe half of a episode of a show if it's a one hour series and connect the narrator with the the mentor 
so that the mentor can experience the narrator's experience given live audio description and see how it goes. That this is how we start connecting our, our entertainment industry with our audiences directly. And hopefully that that relationship will continue as the narrators grow in their careers and, uh, and keep that going. It's, um, it's, it's a win-win-win for everybody. Obviously, the narrators are going to get better quality just by getting that instant feedback. So that's, I, I can't wait. I can't wait till March. It's going to be fun. That sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm interested to see how that's going to go and the things that the narrators will learn, the insight that uh, the community will be able to give, having that level of interaction, because as you say, you're always learning, you're always growing. I've done it with this podcast. If people go back to you know episode one or two, which you can, sure. Um, just excuse the audio quality, excuse what's, you know, what I've done. Um, but you know, going back to all those episodes, I keep them up as a reminder to myself and as a showcase to the audience to say, Hey, you know, you can go back and get some good, hopeful, hopefully some good information and, and some helpful, uh, tips and things, but the audio quality wasn't maybe the best. My delivery wasn't maybe the best, but I've <laughs> learned and I've tried to my best to grow and get better every time. And I learn something new all the time. And so it's so great to hear you talk about that and say, you know what? I do consider my, myself a professional at the same time. I'm learning, I'm growing, I'm working with other people, teaching them, letting them teach me and then learning from the community. And so I think that kind of give and take is only going to help this whole medium of audio description going forward. So I have to say, Roy, as frustrated as I can sometimes get as a, a consumer of audio description because, you know, it's not in all markets or it's not international or it's not ready at launch and, you know, all the little things that you might get frustrated about at the same time. I'm always so excited when I can go to a movie, ask for the headset. Most of the time they know what that is and they know what I'm talking about. Even to have sometimes you know, the, the people behind the desk be able to explain to me how it works. That always just fascinates me and excites me because it's like, oh my gosh, they actually know what this is. Hooray. You know, 10 years ago, they would have been like, uh, is that the one that's got the words on it? Um, <laughs> like, no, that's for the deaf. But now it, it just, there's this change in culture and then the conversation like we've talked about. And so uh, I love when that stuff happens is as frustrated as I can get sometimes with the business side of it and, and the distribution of it when I get it and I get it more often now than I ever have in my life. Uh, it, it's so exciting. My grandfather was blind fully by the time he passed away almost 20 years ago. And there was just a smattering of audio description at that time. If he were still alive today, cause he was a big Trekkie and star Wars fan and, you know, big, big movie guy, cinematic movie guy, love that stuff. He would just be thriving in all of this. <laughs> he would love it. And so I'm living the dream for him. And, and, and like I said, I just, I love that there's this passion that, like you said, the vendors are informed, the the people doing the descriptions are informed, the writers, everybody's on the same page. And we will continue to try to do that and bring the community in and all be on the same page and, and make sure that uh, it only gets better and better. And by doing that, we have to talk with each other and communicate. So as we're wrapping up here, Roy, if you could tell me how people could get more information, if they want to get more involved, they want to follow you and, and get more information about what you're doing and, and just anything and everything about audio description, where can people go and, and do all that? Boy, there's a lot of great resources. Let's start back with the uh, audio description project. Uh, you can Google audio description project or it's acb.org slash ADP. That seems to be the IMDB equivalent of of audio description. <laughs> it is really out, right. <laughs> it's like it gives all the titles. It gives it breaks it down per streaming service or network or or tell you know a DVD release, and it's got some really valuable information there. And uh, the other thing is, if anyone is on Facebook, there's a a group uh, that's called the Audio Description Discussion, and it's got a, a really exciting, collaborative, energetic. Um, collection of, of, of narrators, of, of writers of audio description, of audience members, and some other players in the audio description field. So there's a real uh, uh, different perspectives are coming out there, and you never know what's going what's gonna to come up, and the conversations are really lively. So, uh, And honestly, uh, you never know who's listening, which is part of it that I love. Yeah, yeah, good point. Very good point. Um, additionally, if uh, anyone is on Twitter, it seems like the hashtag audio description is a, is a good thing to follow along. Uh, know your narrator, K-N-O-W, know your narrator is another hashtag. And if there's, uh, if anyone wants to follow me, I'm 
at Roy Samuelson on Twitter. I do describe my images uh, in alt text and um, the, uh, <laughs> so a little plug in there. And uh, I, there's oh uh, my website RoySamuelson.com has some audio description samples, some other uh, uh, articles. Uh, where I've been interviewed and also some things that I've written. And uh, I, I really do my best to connect with our community in, in those ways. And uh, Tim, it's such an honor to speak with you. This has been, this has been really enjoyable. Thank you for having me. This is so good. Oh, I, I appreciate it. Thank you for being here. I'm so glad that you said yes when uh, I reached out to you to do this interview, because I think it is important to have this conversation and get this information out there. So yeah, thank you so much, Roy, for being on. I encourage everybody to check out everything Roy's doing, all those different uh, links and, and, and social media uh, outlets that he talked about. Definitely visit those. I will put links to all of that in the show notes at uh, lifeafterblindness.com slash 39. And again, Roy, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate it. Thanks, Tim. That, my friends, was a very fun interview to conduct. Roy was so much fun. He was so full of energy and optimism, and he had so many great things to tell us about not just his own experiences, but about the process of creating an audio described track. So thanks so much again to Roy Samuelson for coming on the show and sharing all of that with me. I learned so much from him. Hopefully you guys did as well. Now, I'm trying something a little bit new on the show, and I'm very, very nervous about it. You might have heard me talk about it in a previous episode, and that is a service from a new company called Glow.fm. It's very similar to Patreon, except you don't have to worry about all the different tiers and levels that Patreon offers. So if you go to lifeafterblindness.com slash donate, you can choose to give really whatever you want to. If you want to give a dollar or two or many, many more, you can do that. Hit the customize button and you can give whatever you're able to give to help support the Life After Blindness podcast. If you're able to give a little bit more for a little bit longer period, there are options for monthly and annual uh, donations as well. You can pick from preset amounts or again, you can customize any amount that you want to give for either a monthly or annual donation. So again, visit lifeafterblindness.com slash donate. There you can support the podcast. I really greatly appreciate anything that you guys can do. All right. So we know what audio description is. We know how it's created. We know the process of how it works. But how do we access it? Well, let's find out in today's tech tip. T3 initiated. Access to audio described content is getting better and better all the time especially with the growing popularity of video streaming services. But depending on the device that you're using, audio described content may not necessarily be turned on by default. So how do you access audio description in one of these apps? Well, in today's tech tip, I'll show you how to turn on the AD track within the top five video streaming services. For this demonstration, I will be using VoiceOver on my iPhone, but no matter what device you're using, the process of finding and activating audio description should be fairly similar. Let's start with Amazon Prime Video. I already have a show pulled up, so I'm just going to double tap on Watch Now. And because I know the audio and subtitles options are at the bottom of my screen, I'm going to use four fingers and single tap near the bottom, which will take me to Audio and subtitles options button. Subtitles. And now swiping to the right. Audio. Close button. Selected off. English CC. Selected English. English audio description. Selected English audio description. English English selected off. Close button. Now let's take a look at Apple TV+. I'm going to double tap on the name of a show that I want to watch. That sound is the Apple TV Plus logo, so we know that the video is playing, but I've already paused it. So now let's go and take a look at how you activate audio description within Apple TV+. Like with Amazon Prime Video, I know that the fastest way to get to the audio description is near the bottom of the screen. So 
Let's again use four fingers to single tap near the bottom. Airplay, media selection, button, audio and subtitles, heading. From Airplay, I swiped once to the left and then double tapped on media selections. Now swiping to the right. Done, button, audio, heading, selected, English, English AD. There we go. We found what we were looking for. But what if you spoke a different language? Well, let me show you something quite unique about Apple TV+. Plus. Continuing to swipe to the right. French, Canada. French, Canada, AD. French, France. French, France, AD. German. German, AD. Italian. Italian, AD. Japanese. Japanese, AD. Portuguese, Brazil. Portuguese, Brazil, AD. Spanish, Latin America. Spanish, Latin America, AD. Spanish, Spain. Spanish, Spain, AD. Subtitles, heading. As you can see, Apple TV Plus offers audio description in multiple languages, but I do need to still turn on audio description in English, so let's use four fingers and single tap near the top of the screen. Audio and subtitles, heading. And once again, swiping to the right. Done, button, audio, heading. Selected, English. English AD. Selected, English AD. Audio and subtitles, heading. Done, button. And now I'm back at the Apple TV Plus player controls screen. Okay, so moving right along, let's take a look at Netflix. Play, button. Landscape, rated TV PG. Letters pop out from a white background, then turn red. Netflix. And a quick two-finger double tap to pause. Rewind 10 seconds, button. Play, button. Forward 10 seconds, button. Skip intro, button. Track position, zero. Show controls, button. Now, I wanted you to hear all of that swiping around the screen so that we would get to the show controls announcement. Basically, what has happened here is that the screen has dimmed and you now have to double tap to activate the player controls. Show controls, play, button. The controls are now visible again, so let's go to the top of the screen and swipe to the right. Next episode, button. Audio and subtitle options, button. Audio, heading. German. English, original. Selected, English, original. Spanish. French. Italian. English, audio description. Selected, English, audio description. Close, button. That was almost too easy. All right, let's now take a look at Disney+. Plus. The Muppet Movie, image. Play, button. Landscape. Remember a moment ago when Netflix decided that I took too long to navigate the screen and it dimmed the player controls on me? And then I had to double tap the show controls button to get back there so that I could activate the audio description track. Well, as you heard, Disney Plus does the same thing. However, when it dims the screen, you don't realize what's going on because there are no buttons that are labeled to let you know that you need to now do something to show the player controls. If you do double tap, you will then be taken back to the player controls so that you can find the audio and subtitles menu. So let's double tap then so we can see those player controls again. And then you guessed it, swipe to the right. Back, button. Cast to an airplay device, button. Audio and subtitles menu, button. Close inactive, button. Ignore that inactive part of the close button. You'll see in a moment that it does work as a regular close button. For whatever reason, it's also labeled inactive, even though it's not. Again, swipe to the right. Audio. Subtitles. Deutsch. Button. English. Button. Francais. Selected. English. Button. English. Audio description. Button. Espanol. Selected. English. Audio description. Button. English. Button. Deutsch. Button. Subtitles. Audio. Close inactive. Button. And finally, let's take a look at CBS All Access. Now, with this particular app, I'm going to do things a little bit differently. I'm actually going to launch the app and start from the beginning so that you can see some of the accessibility issues that this app has as of the time of this recording. And then we'll take a look and see how to turn on audio description within CBS All Access. 
So let's go ahead and launch the app. CBS. CBS. A CBS All Access original series. Watch now button. New episode. Page three of three. Adjustable. Page one of three. Recommendations. 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 It probably goes without being said, but what you just heard was me swiping through the home screen of CBS All Access and not being given any useful information about what I was hearing. I happen to know that these recommendations, as it said, are different television shows and movies that it is suggesting to me, but unfortunately at this time, it obviously isn't giving any information. So, after having played with the app a little bit, I know that my best bet to find what I'm looking for is to go to the tabs at the bottom of the screen and browse for the specific show or movie that I want to watch. So let's go down to the very bottom left. Selected home tab one of five. And we'll swipe to the right once and double tap on browse. Browse tab two of five. Browse heading selected popular button. A to Z button, originals button, movies button, drama button, comedy button, reality button, daytime button, primetime button, late night button, kids button, classics button, specials button, news button, sports button, downloads button, Star Trek Picard. Tell me a story. God friended me. Interrogation. The screen is obviously much more user-friendly and accessible. You could hear that there are different category and genre choices and then specific shows listed below. Let's go back just a little bit then and take a look at the listing for Star Trek Picard. Got tell Star Trek Picard. Back button. Star Trek Picard heading. Selected episodes button. The ready room button. Extras button. Related shows button. About button. Season 1. Star Trek Picard. Remembrance. Season 1. Episode 1. Star Trek Picard. Landscape. Icon cross. Icon cross. Back arrow button. Star Trek Picard. Button. Dimmed. Settings button. Icon cross button. Subtitles. Audio. Off. English. English. English AD. English AD. Icon cross button. Simpsons T. Up next. Why are you stalling, Captain? A haunted expression washes over his face. I don't want the game to end. Data stares at him with a concerned look. Picard pushes his chips forward. I'm all in. Data lays out his hand. It shows five queens of hearts. As you heard, there are multiple frustrations with the current state of CBS All Access, not just from the home screen, but from the player controls screen as well. There was an unlabeled cross button that is intended for you to show the controls, and then you need to quickly find the audio and subtitles area so that you can select audio description. And when you do select it, there is no feedback to tell you that it is actually selected. You don't get that until you go back to the cross button to close out that screen to go back to your actual player screen and hear the audio playing with the audio description narrator track. Obviously, it is possible to select audio description in CBS All Access, but it comes at a cost of some frustration due to lack of accessibility. And there you have it, how to access the audio description track within each of the top five video streaming services. If you have any questions or comments about this tech tip, please let me know. Send an email to tim at lifeafterblindness.com. So what have we learned about audio description? Well, first of all, I think that we've learned that the narrator who provides the audio description for Star Trek Picard is really, really good. I think that guy's going places. Don't, don't you think so? <laughs> anyway, what else have we learned? Well, we've learned that creating an audio description track for a movie or television show 
is a very involved and creative process. You have to hire very talented writers, people who understand the content that they're writing and describing for. Then you have to get a really good narrator who can bring that writing to life and somehow also not get in the way of the movie or the TV show. And then you have to have someone to edit all of that together to really make the magic happen so that when it's hitting our ears as blind and visually impaired consumers, we can enjoy whatever it is they're describing and still fully understand everything that's going on. Thankfully, not just here in the United States, but around the world, governments are implementing regulations and laws that are making audio described content more and more available to us. Is it where it needs to be? Absolutely not. When we just have certain percentages of the top shows during the top primetime hours on major networks, that's just not enough. And hopefully over time, we will get more and more audio described content when it comes to over the air television or streaming services. And hopefully, eventually, that will translate into audio described content being available everywhere, anytime, no matter when the show or movie airs on television or elsewhere. And we just know that no matter what, we will have access to that audio described track. I know, I know right now that seems like a far-fetched dream that's never going to happen, but I think eventually someday we're going to get there. We've already come such a long, long way when it comes to digital movie theaters here in the United States, at least, because as I noted earlier, talking with Roy, Every movie theater with digital screens here in the United States is required to offer an audio-described track along with the headset for you to listen to that audio-described track. That is a huge step forward from where we were even 10 years ago. But again, I know it's still not enough because we still have so many times where movies are released on DVD or Blu-ray or released to these streaming services and the audio description track doesn't follow it. For whatever reason, there's distribution issues and licensing issues that include the English and Spanish and French and other audio tracks, but for whatever reason, don't always include the audio description track. And that's extraordinarily frustrating. I understand that going across countries internationally, there could be big licensing and distribution issues. But that's something that needs to change. Say, for instance, a movie is released in the United Kingdom by a company that is native to the UK. Well, if that movie is released in the United States, it may not necessarily have an audio described track. It'll be available maybe as a first run in the UK. It might even have the audio described track on the DVD or Blu-ray that's released in the UK. But that doesn't mean that it will necessarily have the audio described track when it's released elsewhere around the world. And that's exactly what needs to change. So what can we do about it? Well, what we can do is the same thing that we do any other time that we need to advocate for ourselves or for our community. We need to speak up, make phone calls, write letters, send emails, send tweets, and it really can make a difference. I promise you it can. As each of the first four episodes of Star Trek Picard were released on CBS All Access, myself and many, many others around the internet were sending them tweets and emails, letting them know about all of the issues that we were having with the audio described content. We've also emailed them and others about lack of accessibility within apps and services. If you don't speak up, the companies won't ever know. Case in point, remember the conversation I had with Roy earlier about Netflix. When they first launched Daredevil, a TV show about a blind superhero, it did not have audio description. It didn't take Netflix very long to realize that that was unacceptable and, well, quite inappropriate. And from that point forward, they have committed to not only implementing audio description within their own original content, but with anything that they are able to get the licensing and rights to going forward. And they've done a really good job. And not just with offering audio described content, but also making sure that their apps, whether it's on a smartphone or online, are accessible with screen readers. And they're not alone. So many other apps and services have followed suit. And as more apps and services come out with streaming video services, like the upcoming Peacock from NBC Universal and HBO Max, we'll hopefully see more growth when it comes to the implementation of audio described content and the accessibility of all of these apps for the blind and visually impaired when using screen readers. So are we in a perfect place when it comes to audio description and the accessibility and implementation of it? 
No, obviously we're not anywhere near where we need to be, but we are a far cry better than where we were, say, 20 years ago or so, when you could barely find five to 10 bootleg copies of something that incorporated audio-described narration. So keep speaking up, keep advocating for yourself, and hopefully one day we'll get the movie companies and the television networks, the streaming video services, developers of apps, and anyone else who will listen to understand how important inclusion is, how important accessibility is, and how helpful audio description can be to those of us who are blind and visually impaired. And perhaps even sighted people someday may find that audio description is helpful to them as well just like listening to audiobooks. And that concludes episode number 39 of the Life After Blindness podcast. I'd like to once again thank Roy Samuelson for coming on the show and talking with me all about being an audio description narrator. And of course, as always, I want to thank you for joining me for this episode of Life After Blindness. If you have any questions or comments for me, send those via email to tim at lifeafterblindness.com. Of course, anything that you heard in today's episode, you can find links and more information by visiting the show notes. Go to lifeafterblindness.com slash 39. That's lifeafterblindness.com slash 39. Please join me again next time as we continue our journey together to find that there truly can be a life after blindness. Take care, everybody. Take care, everybody.